listening to Adoption, Fostering and Tea from the UK's LGBTQ plus adoption and fostering charity, New Family Social. Find us at newfamilysocial.org.uk. I'm Tor, and this week I'm going to be having a cup of tea with Mavangwe and Jay and talking about how their adoption is going. Hi, both of you. Hi. Hi. Hi, yes. So you are our third time returning guest, which is a world record so far. So welcome back. And you've been kind enough to come and talk to us before about initially how introductions went. Then we did an episode about once the honeymoon period had was over, where you talked about some difficulties that you'd been having and, you know, problems at school, problems with accessing support and things. And you've kindly offered to come back and talk to us again about how things are going. So um, I wonder if one of you would like to just bring us up to date a little bit on how things are. Yeah, um, I can do that. So uh, Sam is six now. So he's um, in year one of rece- um, year one class. I still got to get used to this reception year one thing. Um, I'm old school. Um, it's so confusing. And... We go to secondary and it's not sixth form. It's not like year oh, no. three anymore, secondary school. Keep saying to my son, you're in sixth form. And he's like, I'm what? I'm in what? <laughs> like, oh, that's what we used to call it in the old days. Yeah, exactly. So he's in he's in middle tier infants from what I remember. But yeah, he's in he's in year one. He's had he's been doing okay this year and it's because the school have put in loads of different provisions for him which has been absolutely lovely so without us sort of even asking at the in the first kind of term he was going to this special thrive um section of school so for those who don't know about thrive that it's a therapeutic parenting tool that lots of schools have training in and in in his school there is a very very big thrive sort of team and every day for six weeks he was going out of his class for an hour and a half every day to this uh special hub um called the kutch because we're in wales and that just basically means hug and he used to come out of school really really happy didn't he yeah he used to come home in such a good mood and tell us how much he loved us and yeah it was just a complete change in his personality but um, unfortunately, that provision has now stopped because, as um, Jay said, they only do it for a term, unfortunately, so that all of the children can get a turn in going. Yeah. How long ago did that provision finish? So it finished at um, Christmas time, but luckily the school have some other sort of things that they can put in place. And they said uh, we had a meeting at the end of uh, last year and they said that Sam would benefit from play therapy, which we sort of agreed with. Uh, and luckily, the school have this provision where a play therapist comes into school once a week and takes a certain number of children individually um, for a 12-week period. And then they assess after 12 weeks whether the child might benefit from continuing with that. And then obviously, once that child has finished, the next person gets in. So Sam came to the top of the list just before just after the half term, I think, in October. He's just finished one 12-week stint, and they're actually doing another 12-week stint now um, because, obviously, they, they need some they need further time with him. And that's been brilliant because it's, it's free, um, and he loves it. He loves coming home and saying, I did this and I played with this. That's fantastic that there's so much provision just provided within school. Has Did you have to fight to get that put in place or was it fairly straightforward no um when we spoke to his reception teacher 
uh, she said that she thought it'd be a good idea to get something like this put in place and the play therapist isn't attached to the school the school is actually members of adoption uk so they have a play therapist that comes into the school independently and sees whatever children she needs to see so yeah his teacher thought it'd be good for him so that referral went in when sam was in reception and then it finally come in the the alnco the additional learning needs coordinator contacted us and said um a space has come up for sam and that started as jay said in october and we've actually got a meeting on friday with the play therapist for a review of what she's found and what she's going to be working on with sam that's fantastic i mean last time we spoke you were having some you know fairly big difficulties and I think it felt at the time like they were weighing very heavily like things were like day-to-day life was pretty tough I just wonder how things are now it's still pretty much the same but I think we're better at managing it because we've got a lot more provisions in place I'm pretty good at distracting Sam when he's he's starting to find things a bit difficult or if he's not listening to us, we'll just sit on the floor and wait. And he can see that he's not getting a rise. And it seems to be working at the moment. And um, whatever we've asked him to do, he's he finally does it after about 10 minutes. Frustrating to wait for 10 minutes, but I'd rather wait 10 minutes than fight for half an hour to get Sam to do something. You do have to parent quite pragmatically, don't you, I think, sometimes, and just... You know, it might be that none of those things are your preferred solution, but there might be a better one and a worse solution, you know, that you can then choose from. Does Sam have diagnoses? Do you know anything more about how you'd frame um, the challenges that he faces? So there's no diagnoses. So we we had the, the ALN Co also said uh, um, at the end of the last year that whether we wanted to follow the neurodiverse pathway to see whether there was any kind of uh, AS or autism ADHD type um, diagnoses um, and we, we looked into it but but actually because Sam has lots of trauma the two kind of behaviours uh, mirror each other so what looks like it might be like autism or so, some kind of cognitive kind of functioning it could actually just be the trauma so until we have done in in sort of air quotes as much as we can to kind of relieve the trauma then they're basically not going to touch him with a barge pole so we've just decided to leave that as it is and we've now got a social worker and he was assigned or I should say we should go back a little bit we've got something called a TESSA referral so um, TESSA stands for Therapeutic Education and Support Services, and it's now actually called Pathways. Um, so the Pathways is Psychology and Therapy Hub. So it spells out PATH. And it's available in England, Scotland and Wales. But in Scotland and Wales, it's it's fully funded. So there's no cost to the referral or the family, whereas in England, it's generally funded by an application to the Adoption Support Fund. So people might not have heard of it. So because we've got this TESSA referral, we got a social worker, and we decided that we were going to have a meeting with the school uh, and we were going to sit down with them and just check in and make sure everything was okay. And it was really, really good because we had the ALN Co, his teacher 
our social worker and us there all discussing you know what to do how to help and there were some really key points where they'd noticed behaviors and were asking us well you know what do you do when this happens because it happens in school um and time and things that we were saying like well he's going to struggle at this point and he's going to struggle here and he's going to struggle here and they were saying right what can we do to help and what was really good was when we came out of the meeting the social worker said I wish all my schools were like that he said you really have chosen a very good school and I said well yeah we spent ages looking at schools (laughs) and we drive past about five to get to the school we go to because of how they deal with kind of trauma and stuff I think I've rambled on a bit too much there but I think no not at all it's really fascinating to hear about it and just to hear about those different journeys and how affirming to be told that you picked a good school I mean that's just fantastic I think it's really interesting what you said about neurodivergence and trauma you know, I'm no expert in any of those. So I do want to qualify everything that I say from here on in with that. But just reading about the concept of neurodiversity as a huge field of different wirings that we all have, and how that's shaped sometimes by environmental life experience, sometimes by is innate, you know, all of that. And I've been reading about things like parenting as if your child is neurodivergent, or asking the school to behave as if, when we were talking to uh, the secondary school for my son, they said that their approach is to treat every child in the school as if they are neurodivergent, because actually we're not all neurodivergent, but we're all neurodiverse. You know, we're all different. And they have found that rather than try to remind all of the teachers that, you know, that little child there is neurodivergent and all the rest are huge quotes, normal, actually what on earth is normal anyway, and that we're all sitting in these different areas of those spectrums and it's just best to approach it as if everybody is wired individually and so on so for myself I personally I do think the diagnoses can be very very useful as shorthand to explain a type of need in in a very quick way but um, I really like that approach of treating of kind of recognizing that everyone is diverse in their own way and just trying to recognize that some people need things delivered one way some people need it another some people listen in one way some in another and so on and so on I I found that quite useful yeah and I and I think the school is very much like you said is that they they treat everybody and they they do a lot of kind of like forest school stuff so they so even up to year three I think they said they have like an outdoor space where they go and do stuff outside and then they have you know they use these kind of whiteboard books and in the morning they come in and they have this structure of how did you get to school and things like that and they use the whiteboard and interestingly they picked up on the fact that he doesn't do a lot of work if he's hungry um or in fact he doesn't do anything if he's hungry and they said that after when he came back from lunch because he'd do something for maybe two minutes and and then he'd like be looking around the class and then they'd tell him to you know do stuff and then he'd maybe work for maybe a minute and then he'd look around the class And when he came back from lunch, he did about four times as much work as before lunch. And we said, yeah, I said, because he doesn't know, he still doesn't really know that he's hungry. We we have been teaching him for the last two and a half years, uh, two and three quarter years, what that feeling is of of hunger. And he, he just, he doesn't like the word and he doesn't know the feeling. So to have the school to be able to kind of pick up on these things and then tell us is great. Yeah, that's incredibly useful, isn't it? They sound great. (laughs) And I I think that the reason why last year we struggled is it was the teacher, wasn't it? Yeah, it was the teacher. She was was quite old school saying that, oh, Sam's in a really good routine. He sits quietly and he listens and 
and he does what he's told and and we said yes but he's masking mm. he's not he's too scared to be himself in school but yeah it was it was like banging our heads against a brick wall but yeah now he's in year one we're so glad the teacher is on board and fully supportive and and started seeing things that we see at home which is we think great because he's slowly letting down that barrier and being himself which is what we want yeah absolutely I've had those same conversations where the experience of the child at home and school are really different and you find that before you can even have a conversation about need you're trying to persuade the school that your perspective is accurate and it's really difficult you know to be saying this code of behavior takes place at home and this other code of behavior takes place at school and that thing of the child is quiet and compliant it's not always a good thing that it can be a really bad thing that the child daren't step out of line and daren't rock the boat and daren't challenge authority and stuff but because that child is relatively easy in a classroom i think they just aren't at the front of the teacher's attention in the same way understandably so interestingly the play therapist gave us like a questionnaire and gave the same questionnaire to the teachers and she said when i went in for the meetings i think you were working i i went in and she said she she knew that something was wrong or, or something was amiss because the one that we handed her and the one that the teachers handed her she said that it was like two different children she said that the one that the teachers handed was this compliant child who was very quiet. And the one that we handed was this very troubled child who was violent and angry. Um, and she said, when I see something like this, then there is I know there's a lot of masking going on and there's a lot of stuff there to kind of unpick. So, yeah, it, it was it's just yeah a no brainer. And, and also, it's just been nice that someone else has kind of gone. Yeah, you're right. Your child does have some some issues that we need to kind of help you with so that we're not just yeah banging our heads against a brick wall I was actually really happy the other week and I shouldn't have been it was really bad (laughs) Sam hit a child in school and I was kind of like yes sorry not for the child but um but but from my perspective I was like well we get hit all the time so it's really nice that he's sort of lashed out in school but the story of how he hit the other child I will let Mavanwi tell the story because (laughs) come on let's have it (laughs) So uh, I I was asking him, I said, so what happened? Well, it's not like you to hit another child because it's not as completely out of character for Sam. He's never, ever hit another child because he's so loving. So I said, so what happened today then? Well, I asked this boy to come and walk with me and he said he didn't want to. And that made me feel sad. And then all of a sudden... A gust of wind came and blew my hand and I hit him in the nose. And I said, sorry, but it didn't make him better. And I said, well, Sam, it's not, it's not been windy at all today. And he said, yeah, but it was just at that moment. Oh, well, there you go, you see. <laughs> it was hilarious how they make it It's perfect defence. You can't argue with that. It could happen to any of us. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Oh dear. But no, uh, you know, what you're saying about those kind of two different perspectives is interesting because one of the things that we were told at one point is that sometimes for some diagnoses, they have to triangulate information. So the assessor has to see it 
and the parent or carer has to report it and the school or another professional has to report it. And without that triangulation of information, the diagnosis is blocked because they can't find three points, three types of people who've seen it. And again, that's really difficult if you have a masking child because, you know, they could be in one of those three arenas behaving completely differently. And it is it is just incredibly hard. I can understand why they request that. But with a masking child, it isn't always easy to to achieve that. So absolutely understand that. Yeah. So given that it sounds like although things remain difficult, it sounds like you have a lot more techniques and so on in place and you you do seem. I th- you do seem to me more positive than last time we spoke. It, it did feel like it was weighing heavily last time. I just wonder, you know, how you're feeling about, you know, the next steps, the next school year, you know, all that sort of stuff. How's the future looking at the moment for you? I think it's, I think it's looking quite positive because as part of the TESA or Pathways referral, we got a parent partner. So this is another adopter or adoptive couple who has got a lot of experience in different behaviours. And this is someone we can talk to, although we've we've not had a meeting with them yet because we've been so busy. Um, But we know there's somebody at the end of an email or a phone call. And, yeah, the support is there. And we think... He's getting better in school. Thing, things are more positive and because he's easily led and the teacher knows he's easily led, he's sat by someone who can be a good role model for him, which seems to help. And I completely forgot my train of thought. <laughs> That's absolutely fine. Um, but I was, I was just saying about how, you know, it does seem... You, you seem more. Gosh, I mean, it, it's such a lot to say in such a small space of time talking. But you seem more hopeful, I guess, perhaps more optimistic than previously. It seemed a little bit before, like you felt quite lost, and it feels a little bit like perhaps you might still be a bit lost, but perhaps you've got a map or something. I think that's probably true. I think that we were just. It was just so difficult. So school was difficult. The teacher was difficult. Home life was difficult. Obviously, we had the summer holidays and it was just everything just felt like, oh, you know, this is becoming tenuous, uh, not tenuous, it's becoming tiresome and the, the violence and things like that. And I think as Mavanri sort of spoke about earlier, I think we're we're getting better at managing things. It's not always easy. Um, and if we can try and remain calm whilst he's shouting and screaming in our face, it works in our favour. Bedtimes is a particularly very, very hard time. And it's because he doesn't want to, um, uh, he just doesn't want to leave us. He doesn't want to be left alone. He has a real issue with being left alone in the house. So I think we're really pleased that the school is on board. We're really pleased that this social worker is on board. And I And I think that it's, yeah, we've just got this kind of, positive approach that actually things are starting to slot into place and although we don't have definitive answers right now we can sort of see them starting to come can't we yeah it was like every day was like climbing a mountain or Everest should I say and at the moment it it feels just like climbing a hill yeah (laughs) that's such a good analogy (laughs) it doesn't feel as bad and I tend to 
start to ignore some behaviours which Sam has noticed and it de-escalates things a lot quicker and especially as I said earlier I'm especially good at distracting him so mm. if for instance he's he's screaming or something I'll say oh what's th- what's that over there and he goes what what so yeah, yeah I, I'm pretty good at distracting him from whatever it is that's wrong or whatever it is he's he's doing to try and cause a rise out of either of us We've got a new issue that has reared its little head, though. Oh, right. Yeah, something oh, yeah. that um, we we didn't sort of see coming. But he's developed he's developed a tick, or quite a few little ticks, mm. um, that is that consists of kind of blinking furiously, of like shaking his head at certain moments, and we we wondered whether he had. Um, we we thought it was one of kind of three sort of things. But we had his eyes tested and there's nothing wrong with his eyes. So, yay, that's great. Um, we managed to You managed to video him doing it and we sent it to a GP friend of ours. And um, she said that it's either a tick or there is a small possibility that it's a sort of a type of seizure, especially mm-hmm. when he sort of stares for a little bit. And we were able to ask the school and they've noticed stuff as well. So this is happening kind of on a, on a regular basis. Um, so it's something that we're... Yeah, not expecting. It's just like, oh, right, this is happening now then. Um, and a friend of ours kind of said, oh, yeah, our child developed a tick about this or about that. And until then, I don't, I think I knew about them because people with Tourette's obviously have ticks and things. But I, it didn't occur to me that they could just be developed so quickly, um, come on so quickly and, and stay. So that's something that we're sort of looking at at the moment and trying to get videos of him doing it so that we can go to the GP and say, look, these are the videos of him doing it. This is what's happening. You know, what what should we do? That sounds really sensible. Um, one of my kids had uh, seizures when they were small and um, you are asked to film it. And it's the weirdest thing. It's like, quick, quick, my child's having a seizure. Get the camera. And it, you feel awful. It's like, you know, get the video. And then you've got these videos on your phone and it's just weird. But um, it was one of those things that just passed in time. But, but yeah, it was an odd thing to sort of be filming as it happened. Mm. And you're not meant to bring attention to them, what we've like read. So, so we're always trying to film in secret um (laughs) well while he sat or or you you see him do something and then you get the the phone out to try and do it in secret and then he doesn't do it and so you stop videoing and then he does it again which is really (laughs) bloody annoying (laughs) yeah it almost happened overnight didn't it yeah the the ticks and because i said to jay i said he's got a funny little habit so as as jay said our GP friend it could, said it could be a tick, which also could be related to autism, which again is another diagnosis, but we can't get a diagnosis because a lot of autism behaviours mimic trauma behaviours, which is frustrating because at least we'd know whether it's an autism tick or just a habit that he's picked up at the moment because of something I think that awareness that you've got, though, that it could be X and could be Y and could be Z is actually really good in itself because you're already starting to think in terms of neurodivergence or trauma-related things. And just that awareness alone is such a huge step towards, I guess, parenting in a way that's supportive and knowledgeable and so on. So I know that it can really help to know which of several things it is, but actually just knowing that it could be one of several things is a bit of a step, I guess. 
I just wonder if you mind me asking, you know, with with everything that's gone on and how how full on it's been at points and, you know, particularly at the points that it was like climbing Everest every day, but even climbing a hill every day is exhausting. And I just wonder how things have been between you and how you've, if you have been able to nurture your relationship or if it has put that through the mill. Sometimes we agree to disagree. We still don't argue. We've never had an argument in the whole time we've been together, but we've not had a date night ourselves for a long time have we that one i think we've had one since sam has been with us but yeah it, it it's difficult because it's finding someone he trusts to look after him while we go out which again most of our friends have children themselves but when we put him to bed the evening is our time because we brought his bedtime back quite a lot when he was first placed with us because he used to go to bed in our opinion too late mm. so we brought it back he goes to bed at seven o'clock which gives us at least two three hours to watch tv or talk or you know just be together in the evening it's not that we have to go out you know it's just spending quality time together in the evening and discussing our day or the future or the weekend or anything or just watch a nice film i think we find each other infuriating um certainly uh, as a lot of couples do but like food is is like my thing i cook um and do all the kind of preparation for all of that and i read the book that the psychologist um uh recommended to us and Mavanwi will do the exact opposite of what we're meant to be doing so i'll be kind of going making faces at them to say can you not do that don't say that because that's not what we're meant to be doing and she'll say sorry and then she'll do exactly the same the next day um (laughs) so so that's that kind of becomes a little bit hard to manage because we know what we're meant to be doing and sometimes and it happens with me as well sometimes i'll do something that so Mavanwi, tell me what what Jay does wrong. What what do they do that makes you want to kill them? Well, now that we're doing couples therapy, right? Uh, where do I start? Oh, where do you start? <laughs> my job is to clean the kitchen after Jay's cooked. <laughs> and Jay is a very messy cooker. So <laughs> next next to the bin or, or on the on the work on the work surface is the chopping board, and underneath we've got a bin drawer. And Jay finds it very difficult, even stood next to the bin drawer, not to open it and throw the rubbish in the bin. In my defence, <laughs> yes, I, 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 I did the wind finished. come along? Did the wind come along and blow your hand? Yeah, <laughs> big gust of wind is, is going to come in this office in a minute. <laughs> in my defence. Uh, I cooked two completely separate meals this evening so that you and Sam could have a lovely meal and I could eat what I wanted. So it's going to be messy because I'm trying to do too many things. How often do you cook separate meals? There's a long pause. I feel like we've opened a can of worms. I feel like I should row back very, very quickly. Um, We just sent them with each other. Yeah, I had to cook a whole bunch of different stuff tonight. My son's discovered steak as a thing, which given that he was a passionate vegan last year, to the point that we were all told off 
constantly enemy for six straight months about how we could live with ourselves and the decisions that we were making and would we eat a puppy and we were trying to defend the indefensible and stuff like that seriously we did that for six months followed by he discovered steak so I cooked one steak then my daughter's vegetarian so I had to cook one of those like you know those big mushrooms that you put in a burger one of those giant massive mushrooms so one of them well done thank you you're a better cook than I am clearly because I haven't got a blooming clue what was going on and then the littlest wanted chicken nuggets so it was like right fine I can cook everything at once so it was like working in some sort of well I'd like to say high-end restaurant but obviously the chicken nuggets not so much (laughs) (laughs) oh dear yeah go on Um, Jay I've just realised that something else has happened which is quite big since the last time we spoke to you he's he's got a hearing aid okay so that's that's made a massive improvement oh, because he's actually got 50% hearing loss in both ears, oh. um, which for somebody who is masking and, um, you know, struggling with kind of all kinds of things, it must be infuriating for him to not hear anything. Yeah. So um, he's, he's sort of been diagnosed with glue ear, mm-hmm. um, which is just that kind of fluid buildup that, that children have. And there's a chance he might grow out of it he's on the waiting list for grommets but that's like at least a year or two years waiting list so he's got this one hearing aid and we thought that sam was just going to play with it and pull it out and he actually hasn't and i think it's because he can now hear stuff it does mean that we can't whisper stuff under our breath oh. to each other which is what we used to do yeah. um because we used to kind of go there's cake in the fridge but don't tell him until after dinner and he couldn't hear it and and now he can hear everything so but that is that has made a massive difference yeah and I, I can imagine and it must have been really frustrating so again that removal of frustration is fantastic so oh well i mean it really does sound like that although things remain challenging, it does feel like there's optimism in there as well. And it's really nice to have a catch up. Um, It's been about a year since we spoke, can you believe? So I hope maybe you'll come back next year and we'll do it all again. And, you know, just kind of follow what's going on for you, if that would be okay. Try and stop us coming back. <laughs> <laughs> you can be my co-hosts. <laughs> oh, fab. Well, listen, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you, Tor. I'd like to thank my guests today, Mavanwi and Jay. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Follow us on Twitter at LGBT Adopt Foster and on Facebook, search New Family Social, all one word. Visit our website at newfamilysocial.org.uk. Adoption, Fostering and Tea is produced by New Family Social. The presenter was me, Tor Doherty, with music from Matt Doherty. The producer was John Jenkins. We'll be back next time with more guests and more tea. Thank you.